Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many blessings you've poured upon us all throughout this day, their studies and so forth. And now once again, as we get back into your word, as we begin this message that you have given us, help us to understand it and apply it right way. Encourage us to share it with others as well. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. New Testament faith. We have references of faith all throughout the Old Testament. We're going to focus mostly on New Testament faith, faith in the New Testament. I'm not just talking about the writings that we have that we identify as the New Testament. Because if you look, what is the New Testament? The New Testament, also known as covenant, the word testament and covenant means the same thing. It's a contract. It's a contract that the Lord has made. It's a promise that God has made to us, which is the availability of salvation is a life with him for eternity, glorified body, trusting in Jesus Christ. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, his finished work, his covenant, then we have New Testament faith. We have an awesome chapter in 11, excuse me, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, which goes over some of the records of people that have faith in the Old Testament. But it starts out with such an awesome verse, which reads, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, to know what faith is, you've got to know what hope is. Well, there's a lot of definitions of faith itself. If you look them up in various dictionaries, faith is an unquestioning belief. It is confidence in the trustworthiness of God. And it is the conviction that what God says is true and that what he promises will come to pass, which is very similar to the word hope. Because hope is that confident anticipation and expectation of the fulfillment of the promises and prophecies of God. So when you have faith, it comes along with hope. When you have faith, you trust that what the Lord says is true and is going to come true. And then your hope is that confidence in that it will come true and that you're looking forward to it. So when you have that, that is the evidence of things not seen. Because when we have that kind of peace of mind, that kind of comfort that comes along with true faith, that is something that is the evidence because we, are not, we have not seen the glorified body yet. We have not seen the new heaven and new earth. We have not seen Jesus Christ face to face, like many have in the past, but we haven't had that pleasure. But we still trust in Him. We still have that. That is that evidence. That is that hope. That is that faith. And that's what we want to study about, a little bit of that. And there are examples of people having faith in Jesus Christ that the Lord recorded for us in the book of Matthew, examples of faith that we can learn from, that we have similar faith or can have similar faith. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse 5, as it reads, When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now, a centurion would have been a Greek, 
or a Roman soldier in charge of a hundred soldiers under him. That's why he was identified as a centurion. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Here a person that was not even an Israelite showing this kind of faith in Jesus Christ that he could heal his servant by just speaking the word. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and will sit down with Abraham. Now this talking about coming from the east and the west, he's talking about going outside of the family of Abraham, outside the Israelites, outside of that chosen family. The Gentiles, he's speaking of salvation coming to all mankind. And this is a reference to that, that they will be coming from the east and from the west all over the world. And shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, now this children of kingdom, like I say, all he's got to caution you about when you see the word kingdom, what kind of kingdom he's talking about. This kingdom is talking about here, this particular kingdom, children of the kingdom being the, the chosen people, the Israelites. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Meaning that there will be a lot of descendants of Abraham that will not trust in Jesus Christ. As he encountered over and over, some of them he called vipers. That they were just vicious. They were of the devil. Because he even told them of their father, which speaking of, of the devil, because they were not believers in Jesus Christ. But this centurion, this Greek fellow, he trusted, even though he was not of the promised bloodline. He was not an Israelite, but yet he trusted, showing that faith. Another example in verse 23, and when he was entered into the ship, when Jesus was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? They were right there with Jesus Christ, the one who spoke everything into existence, and they were afraid. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? It's awesome experience that they had, to be able to be right there with him. A sad testimony of some of the things that they did, some of the things that they said, some of the things, the doubt that they had, and so forth. But we can't be too hard on them. They had not yet been indwelt with the Holy Ghost. Once they were indwelt with the Holy Ghost, they did great and profound works 
of faith for the Lord. But another example we see of faith is in Matthew chapter 9, a woman that had some awesome faith here. Let's pick it up in verse 20. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned himself about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Her faith, her faith in him, her faith in what he could do for her made her whole. That kind of undoubting belief without any question that that could have happened. All right, now on over to Matthew chapter 24. Another example here where Peter gets a chance to show his faith, but some wavering as well. In Matthew chapter 14, picking it up in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Just a little side note here how he went into a private area, secluded, out into a mountain apart from everyone. Sometimes we need to do that, to really focus in on our prayers, to get away from everything and everybody. A nice quiet place. He makes a reference to going into your closet even, into a secluded area and praying. But it's awesome that we can even do this if we are amongst a crowd. Because we have the capability of just zoning everything out all around us, closing off everything and being in prayer right in the midst of the most chaotic event. You can still focus that much and pray. So it's important that we do that. Separate your attention from anything and everything else, all distractions, and focus 100% on the Lord and to pray. We need to do that every day. I just read that again, verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea, like walking on the water. Like, how can anybody walk on water? Well, Jesus Christ spoke water into existence, so if he wants to walk on water, he can walk on water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. And straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. That showed faith, faith in Jesus Christ. He had his eyes on Jesus Christ. Lord, if it be you, bid me to come to you. And he did, stepped off that ship, started walking on that water, just like Jesus Christ. But note what happens to him. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. 
he looked around. He got his eyes off of Jesus. He started seeing the chaos all around. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. The perfect reaction. When you get your eyes off of Jesus Christ, you get your eyes on your problems, you start sinking down into the problems of all the chaos all around us. Turn to the Lord. Cry out to Him. He'll get you by the hand and pull you right back up out of that. And immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Like, why did you doubt? If he just kept his eyes on Jesus, he would have stayed right up on that water. And when they were come unto the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Seeing these things, being a part of those things, building their faith, their trust. Over in Matthew chapter 17, a little lesson about faith. In Matthew chapter 17, picking it up in verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and saying, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. The unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Grain as a mustard seed. That's a tiny little seed. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So what is this reference really talking about? A mustard plant grows very large. The kind that he was referring to here was big enough to where even birds could land on the branches of it and then not fall over. So tiny little speck of a seed can grow into something vast and strong. And that's how our faith is. It starts out very small, but it can grow if it is properly nourished. We get that nourishing from reading the Word of God, from listening to the Holy Ghost, from trusting and believing in Jesus Christ. Then that faith continues to grow and gets stronger and stronger and is capable of withstanding outside forces that come upon it. Because one of the references in the Gospels is talking about the birds will come and light on the branches of the, the mustard plant. Those are the enemies that come in. Those are the false things that come in. You're still strong enough to even endure and hold up against such invasion coming upon you. When you apply and nurture the faith properly. 
So you trust in Jesus Christ. You start with that. And you completely and totally trust in Him with all of your faith, with all of your belief. We love Him completely. Because those, like we go to quite often, the two great commandments. When we start with them, that's we're starting out and we begin to grow. So how do you start out? First, you got to, as he says there, the great commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Heart, soul, and mind. It means all of your thoughts focused on loving God, serving God, pleasing God, being in the perfect will of God. Got to have that. Because this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So part of the evidence that we have faith in God is that we have that love indwelt in us from God and then we in turn share that with others. Then that's evidence that we read about over there in, in Hebrews. The evidence of that faith. Over in John chapter 11 where we go to quite often as well, when Jesus was speaking to Martha shortly before raising Lazarus from the dead, he speaks to Martha and in verse 25 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So we have to have that belief. That's that faith. That's that unquestioning belief in Jesus Christ what He has done and what He is doing and what He will do for us. When we truly have that, when we truly love Him with all of our mind, that's the key part, all of our mind, then our faith begins to grow and our belief and our hope, all that. Verse 26, And whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. If you truly live in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ in you, you will never die. And in that awesome question, Believest thou this? He was asking that to Martha. He asked that to all of us. Do you truly believe in Jesus Christ? Do you truly trust in Him? If you truly trust in Him, you truly believe in Him, then you have New Testament faith. You believe and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the key thing. We all have to have that. We all have to know that it is critical that we have that in order to have life everlasting. But don't get things misplaced. A lot of people get their ego and their pride mixed in with it. And they have some faith in Jesus Christ and the Lord does something great in their life. And then they try to take credit for it as being evidence of how much faith they have. Oh, look how much faith I have because I asked for this and it came true. Oh, I'm and I great and wonderful and full. Oh, look how righteous I am because of what I did. And I'm going to heaven because of all my beautiful and wonderful works of all the things I did. It's all this me, 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 I, I stuff. Selfishness. A lot of people suffer from that. But we're told in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, a lot of people know these verses. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Notice, grace saves us. What is grace? Unmerited favor. Not something we earned. Through faith. You have the faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, then by grace He saves us. For by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. That's the key part. Not of yourselves. Is your faith in yourselves? Is your faith in what you have accomplished? What you have done or what you hope to do? Is that your faith? 
Where's your faith in what Jesus Christ has done and is doing? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If it was something that we could work for and achieve, then we could brag about it. I have achieved salvation through all of my wondrous, righteous works. Then you could brag about it. No, it shouldn't be that way. It isn't that way. It shouldn't have that attitude. We've got to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Not in our own works, because our works is, is nothing. Our works is as filthy rags as it says. And we've got to always know that it's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, not on our works, because we trust in what He has done and understand that it is a gift that comes from Him, not from ourselves, not from our works. So it's a faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And over in John chapter 20, another awesome example of faith and belief when the Lord appeared after his resurrection to the disciples. Some of them saw him first face to face, but some did not. Thomas was not in the group when Jesus appeared to the group at one time. But then later, we see in John chapter 20, picking up verse 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord... But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. See, he had to have that physical evidence right in front of him before he would believe. That was not faith. He did not have faith. He did not have true belief. He could understand and see the things that was right in front of him, but he could not believe in something that he couldn't touch and feel and interact with. Verse 26, And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them. Excuse me. And stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he, to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And that is all of us. We haven't seen Jesus Christ face to face, but yet we still believe in Him. We believe that He's going to come back and, and receive us to be a, with Him for eternity. We believe that He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We believe that He's going to give us a glorified body. We believe that we're going to be able to be with Him and be like Him, see Him as He is, and so forth. It's all right there. It's all right there for the taking. It's all part of growing and believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. You have to trust in Jesus Christ. You have to start with that. You have to confess your sins. And then He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, as it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we do that, 
Then the Holy Ghost comes into us and the Holy Ghost begins to do a work in us. And then when we listen to the Holy Ghost, and it's awesome, the Holy Ghost is in there with us, teaching us and praying for us. Even when we ain't got sense enough to pray correctly, the Holy Ghost is in there praying for us and getting it right all the time. And that's awesome. And we're sealed by the Holy Ghost. That's assurance of our salvation that we have as well. Like Glenda was talking about earlier and singing the song and so forth, the assurance of our salvation, just like the Lord taught us that no one can pluck us out of the hand of God. Once we're in the hand of God, no one, not even ourselves, can take us out of that. We become His and we're sealed and we're protected. Do we mess up? Yes, many times we mess up. Sometimes we trip up. Sometimes we stumble. Just like Paul writes about the struggle between the physical and the spiritual. We need to always lean toward the spiritual. Stay away from that physical. But we're all selfish creatures. Always this me, me, me attitude. What can I get out of it for myself? shouldn't be that way. We keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. We get our eyes off of ourself, off of the problems, have faith in Him. But when we do mess up, when we do stumble, it's awesome what He has there in 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. We have the Word of God. We have the guidelines. We have the directions. We have the influence of the Holy Ghost that we sin not. And if any man sin, like you got all this, but yet there's still a possibility that you might stumble. And we all do occasionally. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. And that's awesome that He is right there pleading our case all the time. Even though we might stumble, we might mess up, we might say something we shouldn't have said or do something we shouldn't do, take it back to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. But like I say over and over, it's not that we get born again and again and again. No, you get born again once. But that means you're staying perfect and clean the rest of your existence to with the Lord? No, not necessarily. We might mess up. We might stumble. We might do something we shouldn't have done. We might say something we shouldn't have said. When you do... Get it right. Take it back. Get it clean. Like you've got a perfectly white garment. It's like if you buy a perfectly clean white suit or dress and you get it dirty. You're going to leave it dirty? Continue to wear it dirty? No, you're going to get it washed. Same thing with our body. We've been given this beautiful white garment when we become born-again Christians. Sometimes we get stains on it. Don't leave a stain on it. Take it back and get it washed. How do we do that? We take it to the Father. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ, always pleading our case, always right there to clean us up again and put us back on the straight and narrow. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins. All those sins that we did prior to becoming born again, He washed those away clean, totally wiped out, gone. And He also paid for the sins that we're continuing to do or we mess up and go back into and paid for all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future. He paid for all of it. Therefore, gives Him authority to forgive. And He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Keeping His commandments is showing that we have faith in Him. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. The commandments that He's talking about is those two that we referred to earlier. To love God with all your existence and to love others as yourself. Because on those hang all the law and the prophets. That means when you do those two 
great commandments properly, it covers it all. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. See, it comes back to that love. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. He gave us the examples. He gave us the guidelines. He gave us the teachings. He gave us the support. He gave us the supporter which is within us, the Holy Ghost. So have a New Testament faith. A faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. A faith in that covenant. A faith in that promise of what He has promised to provide us with now and for eternity. Faith and trust in Jesus Christ and His finished work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank You for all the many things You bless us with and the awesome opportunity to get into Your Word that helps build our faith. Help us all to realize that that faith needs to be nourished and nourished by You, by Your Word, by the influence of the Holy Ghost and grow stronger and stronger so that we can stand up when the invaders come in and we can hold up against that and stand up against the wiles of the devil. Help all of us get cleaned completely from head to toe and stay clean and help us encourage others to do the same thing. We truly thank you oh so much for allowing us to be a part of your work. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen.